This is Inside the Apple Studio, the podcast that details the intersection of architecture and Apple and explores how architects and other design professionals use Apple products in the practice of architecture. With your host, architect Neil Pan. Support for Inside the Apple Studio comes from Monograph. Architects, how do you manage your firm? Are you using dated and clunky software? Are you frustrated using different spreadsheets and never really getting a clear view of the status of your projects? Then let me tell you about Monograph, because they can help. Monograph is online software that is designed by architects for architects. It allows you to track your time, your projects, and your budgets. It can not only track all of this, but it can do it all in real time. Monograph has an awesome tool called Money Gantt. With it, you can immediately see whether you are under or over budget on a project. Monograph also comes with a tool called Resource, which allows you to reallocate your team's time and track its impact on your remaining budget. Using this powerful tool, you can easily adjust your projects on a week-to-week basis. Can your dated and clunky software do that? Monograph makes this easy. Check out all the ways Monograph can help your firm be more productive at monograph.com and be proactive with Monograph. Welcome to Inside the Apple Studio. In this episode, I continue the conversation with architect Daniel Steger, where he shares how he uses the Mac in his architectural practice, and we wrap up with the 10 questions. Daniel, you've taken us through your architectural journey. Now let's discuss how you started using a Mac and eventually other Apple products. How were you first exposed to the Mac and what was the first Mac you ever used or owned? So I think my dad either won or was given uh, one of the first um, iMacs, you know, with a hard floppy disk kind of thing, you know, with a mouse and didn't really know what to do with it. Um, And then subsequently, as I got into the profession, you know, it was all Windows-based. The computer systems Mm -hmm. at my parents' office were Windows-based. And, um, you know, and that was in the 90s, you know, so user interfaces that weren't all that friendly. Um, And mostly kind of software stuff uh, for accounting. Um, All through MIT, it was Windows based, although there were a couple uh, classmates who had Macs. You know, I'd never had my own laptop up to that point. Yeah. And then after I graduated, it was funny. I was working for a firm, and the marketing director and I were good friends, and cell phones were just coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Got my first cell phone, um, kind of stumbled through that. And then the iPhone came out. Ooh, yeah. that was a game changer. So I actually splurged, got an iPhone, and that was really when I started using Macs or Apple products. Um, And it kind of, I was still Windows-based, you know, at every firm that I worked for, AutoCAD was Windows-based, Revit started to be Windows-based. And um, when I went out on my own, I just felt that I wanted to be part of this design community and um and i wanted everything to be seamless i wanted everything to talk to each other seamlessly and i already had the iphone 
And so I went out and got an iMac um, or, you know, desktop. Mm-hmm. And then it went to my MacBook Pro. Um, and I saw that all the software, um, you know, Autodesk has Mac uh, software that's native. I didn't have to use parallels or anything like that. And it, and just as I've grown up through this business, um, the Mac has been able to keep up. And it's just, um, it's beautiful to look at every day. <laughs> the screens are beautiful to look at every day. Um, and the integration of how all these different components talk to each other is just very seamless. You know, I'll, we hear it all the time. You just turn it on, it asks you a couple of questions, and then you're off and running. And I don't want to be a computer programmer, uh, you know, um, and that's the issue I have with Revit and all these other programs is I just feel like I've become a computer programmer. And um, I don't feel that when I'm using Apple products. Now, you mentioned you had used AutoCAD on a PC. So mm-hmm. was it pretty seamless or did you then just figure you would use AutoCAD on the Mac uh, because it's available or is that what you're currently using? Um, I think the first laptop I had was a Dell. So I, I had AutoCAD for windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started my firm, I just made sure that I got as m- I chose as much software that had Mac um, products uh, or mm-hmm. Mac-based products. And so um, the only thing I, and I don't even use Parallels for this product anymore, is I was using Bluebeam. And I've switched away from Bluebeam because I did the 30, well, I was, I bought it for, uh, I, I was using it on Parallels. Yeah. And then I thought. Then I saw that they had a native Mac uh, version. I tried it for 30 days, and then when I went to go <laughs> buy the uh, license, um, they said they discontinued it within those yeah. 30 days. <laughs> I, was using it. I was like, "All right." So it takes so long to boot up, and it's just it, it's cumbersome actually on a Mac uh, with parallels. Yeah, that um, I've switched my all my PDF stuff. Um, I forget who I use. It's Copa, Copa.com. Anyway, so mm-hmm. it, it's great. It's great. Um, so, yeah, my Autodesk products are all native Mac. Um, was there a big learning curve? No, buttons were just in different places, you yeah. know, and, and I've gotten used to it now and just, you know, do an internet search when something is you can't find it and boom, you know, and you keep trucking. <laughs> yeah. And since you already had the AutoCAD experience behind you for working with other firms, it was uh, mm-hmm. something you were able to do in translating it over to the Mac and you could still currently use AutoCAD. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I dabble with ArchiCAD um, and Again, I'm not someone that gravitates towards technology or um, learning this stuff just for the joy of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, go back and forth. You know, when I was at CBT, they were switching everything to Revit 
and they were like, all your projects have to be in Revit. And um, I, on the residential projects I was working on, I was just like, this is so, <laughs> so it's, the transition is so difficult. You know, it's the yeah. muscle memory and all that stuff. And I was just like, eh, we're going to export this out. And um, I just kept doing it in AutoCAD to their chagrin. But um, um, yeah, I, for some reason, and I know, thank you, Graphisoft, you're probably going to come back to me and say, no, you can do everything. And I know you can do everything in ARCHICAD that you do in AutoCAD, but yeah. I just, it's just, I'm just so much more facile in that program. And I'm so busy on my own that to take the time to just learn it and that steep learning curve, um, I just haven't dedicated myself to it. So I dabble with it. Like if somebody wants a kitchen elevation or something like that, I can throw that into ARCHICAD very quickly. But um, beyond that, I haven't, I haven't used ARCHICAD to its fullest potential. Yeah. So. What other applications or services do you use to manage how you practice architecture on your Mac? Um, so I use all of Microsoft's Office products. Um, I Again, I think it was just because I had used them on a, on a PC and they're all native. I don't you know, try to use any sort of you know, bootcamp or right. parallels with that. And um, although I do use pages and stuff every once in a while, um, I do use Microsoft OneDrive and that just became, <laughs> it came with the office subscription. So right. I didn't use Dropbox or anything like that. I'm very, um, it's very interesting. You know, when I talk to architects, they, they're always looking for the latest and greatest, you know, and it usually there's a, there's a price tag attached to it, right? And I'm so much more simplistic than that. But like, does it work? What does it cost a year for your subscription? Because I don't want to deal with a monthly billing for it and get it up and running and, I'm, and I'll pay for it. There's none right. of this, you know, I, you know I've, I've dealt with some professionals. They're like, oh, I'm on a pirated copy of something. You know, can you bring it down to AutoCAD 2007? I'm like, you're a professional, buy it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a subscription. It's, you can shut it off whenever you want to. Um, I just found that so embarrassing to, to say, I'm not investing in my own firm, the tools mm -hmm. that I need to be working. And, um, you know, that I would go on vacation or if I bring my laptop, it's not working because, you know, it's a pirated copy and it's not working on the system or it's not doing something, you know, that right. it's just, no, no, no. I just don't want to deal with that. So I think that's also what led me to Mac products. They just, they just work. I've, yeah. you know, I can count on one hand over the last eight years that I've had a Mac crash on me, just blank out the screen yeah. and it just doesn't happen. And, and, you know, that's, that's what I want. I want reliability. Yeah. I want seamless integration. And um, yeah, so I'm, all my projects are in the cloud. I can access them anywhere. You um, use OneDrive for that? I use OneDrive for that. Um, I think the other, like I said, that my PDF um, program, PDF Creator is through, I always pronounce it wrong, but I think it's quopa.com. Um, very cost effective and um, it does everything I want it to do. 
And, and what do we need a PDF <laughs> program for as architects? It's usually to reduce a file size um, and to add notes, comments to something. And it does all that, it has all the tools. Um, and that's really, and my trace, which is, you know, over my shoulder in one of these bins. And my, yeah. so that's what I use. I don't get into, again, I'm not using ArchiCAD to its fullest potential. I have colleagues who will do um, SketchUp models for me if I need them, you know, and I, I price them accordingly for my clients. If you want a 3D walkthrough, glad to do it, but this is how much it's going to cost. It's not part of regular services. Um, and I ship off all my drawings to my colleagues who love doing this kind of stuff. And while I'm working on other things, um, yeah. it's shipped back to me as a video and walkthroughs and stills. Um, I just don't, it, it's not an interest to me and, you know, it's just me. Yeah. So. And you mentioned you use your phone a lot. Do you have an iPad and do you use it as part of your practice? You know, I don't. And it was funny. I was on the flight back from Houston and, um, I, I said to Rolando, I said, my end of year purchase this year is going to be the best iPad mm -hmm. with cellular Wi-Fi service, just full connectivity. Because what I'm finding um, on the iPhone is I've always gotten the largest iPhone screen possible. And it's really to look at drawings. You know, if, if I'm on site and we all are in this situation, what do we bring to the site, right? Am I going to need that drawing? Do I print it out? And I've kind of, you know, when I first went out on my own, I bought this one, two, three, four. It's a six drawer flat file. And I can't even tell you what I have in there because I never use it. Yeah. And so everything's electronic. And um, what I was finding is that I was overprinting, wasting drawings. I'd come back and just fold them up and put them in recycling. And so now I don't, unless I know that we're going to have to draw on something um, as a team, I don't print it out. And um, I then go to OneDrive out in the field and pull something up that, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Contractor, you say you don't have that spec. Let me send it to you again. It's right here. Right. And um, so I, my next product is going to be, I did have an iPad first generation. It was a gift to me. Um, but, you know, they didn't have cellular connectivity right. on it at that point. It was a glass screen. It was very heavy. So um, that's the next thing. Stylus. So I can just make comments very quickly in the field. Um, and because I'm actually finding that the MacBook Pro, it's actually very heavy, especially when I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. And um, so, Apple, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> if you could get a, if you could produce an iPad that will run AutoCAD, <laughs> AutoCAD LT, I would I would never need a laptop again. I could just do everything off of an iPad. So um, that's my next product. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite app or service that you'd uh, recommend for people? App or service? Well, um, I mean, I like OneDrive just because I'm used to it. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I know where all the buttons are. <laughs> um, I think if you're not in the cloud these days, you're behind. You mm -hmm. really need to be in the cloud. There's no reason, you know. To lose information because of a crash or something like that um, is really not 
there's no excuse for it any longer because there are just so many ways to save our things. So I would say a cloud service. Uh, I like OneDrive, although a lot of people are like, what? <laughs> What's <laughs> OneDrive? Um, but it came with my subscription, so I used it. So it was included. Right. Uh, right. Another service. Um, my accounting is all in the cloud. You know, what do you QuickBooks, use? Uh, QuickBooks. Okay. Um, because that's what my accountant uh, wanted me to use. Um, I know there's a lot of other stuff out there, FreshBooks and stuff like that, but I've always wanted to use software that's in the mainstream. I never wanted to use software that was so niche that I was going to ask somebody else to kind of bend over backwards or to learn something new. Um, so um, QuickBooks is what I use. It's cloud-based. It's online. Again, I can do, I, I took billing with me on the trip, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, in between family conversations, if I had half an hour or an hour or something, I could just stay on top of things, you know, on the road. It's just so easy um, to do. The only thing I do have, I do have a G drive um, and that's really just to back up my desktop. Um, and I, I have one client that I've been working with uh, almost 15 years now, and he's on the security side of software and the internet. And he's like, if you just, just back up your whole computer, and if it ever just fails, you just have everything on your G drive, you go out and get a new something or other that day, plug it in, and you're up and running again. And again, for me, it's that seamless, I, I, I don't want to be down <laughs> other than maybe a day and lose stuff and so yeah. there are just so many products on the market that there's no excuse for it anymore these days to be honest with you yeah and apple has time machine built in which is another oh, great feature absolutely absolutely yep so what advice would you give the listeners if they're considering using a mac in their practice um what advice would i give Again, uh, this is just me. Invest in the fastest, best equipment at that moment. Um, and then, like, I've had this desktop for eight years. I bought it, well, actually, I bought it in 2015. Or, yeah, 2015. Um, largest screen. It's a 27-inch monitor. Um, the only thing I kicked myself is I didn't get the monitor the 27 inch monitor only so i would have two monitors you know because we architect everything has to match right yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and i just kick myself and what do i need two monitors for um so invest in good i mean these are our tools why would we skimp on the tools we touch every single day that make us money and so really invest in the fastest the best at the time and I've gotten eight years out of this. And it's only now that I've started to think about, well, you know, maybe next year I need to invest in something new. But right now, nothing, I've been able to update RAM. I've been able to, you know, Apple's operating systems update constantly. So there's, there's just been no need. It's been very, very cost effective in that sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and then before we move to our final part of the show, let's take another quick break and we'll wrap up with the 10 questions. Inside the Apple Studio is also supported by Arc IT. As business owners and architects, 
How often do we think about our IT provider? Typically, only when things go wrong. For many of us, unfortunately, this happens too often, especially with the latest emphasis on remote work. I know I've had to deal with my fair share of IT fire drills. It's not a pleasant experience, and clearly I wasn't dealing with an IT provider like ArcIT. ArcIT is a different kind of company. They specialize in serving Mac and PC-based architecture and design firms. This means they understand your Mac-related challenges of keeping your personal and your business data separate and have experience providing solutions when certain software providers stop supporting macOS. Combine this with industry-leading response times, proactive remote hardware management, solid disaster recovery and backup solutions, and enterprise-grade security management. And yet, all of the above are just table stakes for a solid IT company. ArcIT goes a step further. They become your strategic partner when it comes to planning, budgeting, and integrating new technology into your business. All of this sounds expensive, right? Not with ArcIT. Because ArcIT is highly specialized for our industry, their pricing is on par, or in some cases, even lower than other IT providers. ArcIT is transparent and publishes its pricing on its website. Your business deserves a competent, responsive, and proactive IT partner. Reach out to Boris, ArcIT's founder and CEO, for a free consultation. Go to getarcit.com and click Work With Us. Appreciate you sharing your architectural and Mac journey with us. Now let's get to our final segment, the 10 questions. And the first one to start us off is, what is your favorite word? These are difficult <laughs> to distill it down. Um, maybe this isn't a word, but um, I don't wish people luck. I wish them success. And um, I think it really comes down to... Um, if you're wishing somebody a success, you know they've worked hard for something, preparing themselves. And so I like the, using that term, you know, mm -hmm. I wish you success on that versus good luck, break a leg kind of thing. So that's probably my favorite. What's your least favorite word? Ooh, um, my least favorite word. Sorry, I can't do that for you. <laughs> um, I, I think I always couch it in um, I don't like listening to people's excuses and so I'd rather them just be very blunt and say um, you know I wasn't able to get to that but I can get to it this time you know versus um, oh, I was too busy or you know I, again it's, I know it's not a word but that, that just um, or I didn't get that email. I mean, how many times do we not get emails? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> <laughs> emails work 99.9% .9 of the time. So anyway, yeah. those are kind of my least favorite excuses. I just, just be honest about, you know, you fell short and you're going to try and rectify it. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I think creatively... For me, understanding, um, this is gonna sound weird. Um, I, 
when people take money out of the equation, and what I mean by that is um, I'd rather work for somebody who is trying to build something or trying to create something unique. That turns me on more than that they're trying to maximize their return on investment or something like that. You know, do I put a tub in my house or a shower? You know, that, that you know, I just kind of hit, <laughs> I hit the, the, the button and my speech comes out about that. I'd rather, you know, when someone's trying to create a home or a place for their family to grow up in that um, a centered place, um, that is more important to me than um, anything else. And that, that turns me on, on more. I also am much more engaged with people when they understand how their actions affect others. And that can be on multiple levels, but I think it just, you know, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And um, so that's very attractive to me um, mm -hmm. from a creative, spiritual, or emotional standpoint. I've told clients many a time, you know, they'll come to me and they'll say, I don't want to pay that much for that. Go, t go ask that contractor or that subcontractor if they'll reduce their price. And I respectfully say, I'm not going to do that. If you want another price, go find somebody else and get that price from them. Um, where do you come off knowing that railings on banisters cost that much, <laughs> you know, right. other than it's a big number. And so um, that's kind of the opposite. That's what doesn't turn me on kind of spiritually or emotionally uh, or creatively. Um, you know, really understanding your, we're all in this together here. So anyway. Well, that leads right into the next one, which is what turns you off. <laughs> You may have already answered it. Yeah, I think I have. Um, yeah, when I worked for um, Jeannie Vaneco at Vaneco Limited, um, she always had this saying. She never got upset. She was very even keeled. Um, but we'd come back from meetings and she just kind of laid out there and she goes, okay, we have a client who's behaving badly. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> And this is how we're going to, this is our roadmap through this. I think um, what I've noticed, and I think this is just a societal thing, you know, people think they can stamp their feet and get their way. And um, of course, we try and do good by our clients and get them what they want. But when people try and kind of move their weight around, um, it's, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know, I had a client who, oh, they, we were having trouble at the start of the pandemic with the gas company and hookups. You know, they were months, months, months behind. And, you know, he very he professed at a site meeting. Well, I know the CEO of the gas company and do we need to give him a call? You know, that, that, Come on, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're pulling strings and weights and all that. That just isn't me. And so um, that's kind of a turnoff for me yeah. as well. What sound or noise do you love? Yeah, this, this I, when, when I read that, 
I, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I love the sound of a bubbling brook, a creek. Um, I grew up very close to Lake Michigan in Wisconsin, and I, you know, New England, Boston were very kind of ocean centric. And I'm not a beach person in that way. And, you know, we've had a lot of friends and colleagues over the years that get their beach house or a house on the Cape. And that's great. That's what they want. But I've, I have always said, if I can have a piece of property that has a babbling brook running through it, and I can open up my window at night and just listen to the murmur of the creek, that's all I need. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, big trucks downshifting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it grates on me. It just, yeah, for some reason. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Uh, in English or Spanish? <laughs> you can give both. One I'll bleep and the other one I may not have to. <laughs> Um, so Rolando comes from a Mexican heritage and I've met some of his, I've met all of his aunts and they've been teaching me wonderful Spanish curse words. And there's an action that goes with this one that his aunt Mine taught me, palo chingado. It's basically up yours, you know, <laughs> uh, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, what other in English, um, you know, People have said this. I don't swear a lot. I do up here in my head, but I don't verbalize it a lot. Um, I think the Steger playbook says swearing is like saying, gosh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother also said sugar a lot. Um, so I can put Midwestern nice, you know, oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we'll, we'll up there <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt i have a high regard for um artists because they're following i mean to be an artist and make a living at it or a musician uh number one you have to be incredibly skilled um driven creative um I've always held them in high regard. In fact, I like to bring a lot of artisans and crafts people into my projects to make the projects unique for my clients. Um, so I am a member of like the American Craft Council um, just because I like understanding who's out there and what they're doing. Um, other than that, uh, what other profession? I really... This is so right. I, I really love what I do. Um, well, one thing, my mom and dad are having a blast. They have, uh, so they, when they retired, they bought an old farmhouse and they restored it. I put an addition on during COVID for them and they have an Airbnb. And um, it's actually been very fun being a hotel host um, and opening your home to people. And um, something with hospitality, you know, I think has always been quite interesting to me. So what profession would you not like to do? 
uh, my parents will probably never hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can see um, where this might be heading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think um, I grew up in a business where people were spending money when something broke. And they're far and few between where there are people spending money on their heating cooling system because they wanted to do that, right? And that's not to say that they didn't appreciate the services my family's business brought them, but I've also, I have a very good friend who she has her own property management firm here in Boston. And you're dealing with people at a point in their daily life um, where something's not working. And um, I think architecture, the beauty of that is um, people are trying to make something better in their lives and they're willing to spend the money to do that. I mean, you know, we're solving problems for them, but it's not like, what would you rather spend your money on? You know, a trip to the Bahamas or to fix your furnace? (laughs) And so... um, that was difficult because there was a level of negativity always around when, you, you know, you were dealing with some of these clients, even though they were grateful that we came out in the middle of a snowstorm. But um, I, th- I think that would be something I wouldn't want to do. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> well, growing up in a, Catholic household, <laughs> rather <laughs> religious household. Um, we've been prepped for this one. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, again, I think it's just that I tr- have treated others the way that they would want to be treated, um, or that I would want to be treated, excuse me. You know, in my practice, um, we had a situation about a week ago where a contractor installed the wrong kitchen sink. They had purchased a backup because of COVID, supply chain issues, and the sink the client had chosen, um, it was anyone's guess when it was going to come in. So he hedged his bets and he bought two sinks. Well, the installer or the site guy pulled the wrong sink. And, you know, they were sitting side by side. And... You know, I've seen architects and designers and professionals just come down. How the hell did that happen? You know, it's just like that problem or that um, situation, the tables could have been easily turned, right? We've all made mistakes. And um, I just want to (laughs) show the person who made that mistake a level of grace that, okay, we've made a mistake. So... The issue now is how are we going to fix it? And I've found most people and most clients are appreciative of that. Um, hey, I made a mistake. I own up to it. How am I going to fix it? And so, um, yeah, I, I really try to treat others the way I would want to be treated. So, Well, Daniel, I'd like to thank you for joining me on this episode of Inside the Apple Studio. If you could please let the listeners know where they can find you online and the best way to contact you. Um, Online, the best way to contact me, uh, my email, or I'm sorry, my website is just uh, dgsarchitecture.com, www.dgsarchitecture.com. 
my email, my phone number is, is there. Um, and email or phone is best. Um, I don't like text messages <laughs> <laughs> as a way to do business. But um, yeah, that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Daniel. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Neil, for inviting me. It's been a wonderful time. Thank you for listening to Inside the Apple Studio. I'd like to thank Monograph and Arc IT for their support. You can also support the show by telling a friend and show them how to follow it in their favorite podcast player. If you have comments on the show, you can find me on Twitter at NPANN or at Apple for Arc. That's Apple, F-O-R-A-R-C-H. You can also comment on the Apple for Architects Facebook page and join the Apple for Architects Facebook group. Inside the Apple Studio is a production of Apple for Architects at appleforarchitects.com. I mean, I basically have a glorified personal system here. You know, it just I just happen to have kind of niche software operating on it. Otherwise, you know, my plotter is just a bigger printer than somebody's home printer. Uh, so... Yeah, I think for me, the only thing that I kind of would ever want a consultant for or somebody to just do it for me is um, when I get new email accounts or devices and those Mm -hmm. email exchanges have to be set up through Squarespace, you know, just all that coordination. For some reason, all that email routing is just kind of Greek to me. And so just to have somebody do it and make sure it's doing it correctly um, that I can get it on all my devices and it's um, pushing notifications, correct, all that. Uh, I just like somebody to come in and do that. But, yeah. you know, if you've got a friend who knows what they're doing, that's usually enough. <laughs> but otherwise you need to, you know, buy a couple hours of somebody's time to come in. But Yeah, that, that some, you know, as many times as I've done that, it's still uh, like, am I doing this right? Oh, it worked. Okay. Yeah, I did it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still get that, that feeling, even though I've done it many times. Uh, I think with the phones though, they've made it far easier uh, mm-hmm. because now, unlike when the phones first came out, it's really a seamless process to just move all of your accounts from your old phone to your new phone. Uh, mm-hmm. It works really, really well now so that you mm-hmm. don't really have to go through like, Hey, I'm plugging in you know, this information, oh, I've got to make sure these things are checked so that the emails get set up correctly. Mm -hmm. At least that part of it is is pretty seamless. And Mm -hmm. I would say on the Mac side, they're getting better with that in Mm -hmm. in, uh, migrating uh, from an old machine to a new machine, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's a little bit simpler. Uh, Mm -hmm. But again, the old uh, adage of, hey, I'm going to Google, how do I set this up? Somebody's written an article somewhere. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can usually find that information. And if you spend a few minutes, you can follow it through. But not not bad advice, too, if you've got a friend that is good at it. (laughs) Hey, can you help me do this? Uh, You know, come on over. Come on over for dinner and, uh, you know, we'll hang out. And by the (laughs) way, can you take care of this for me? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Usually the way it works.